Good afternoon, everyone. It is Dr. Nigro again, our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a heartfelt uh, thank you to all of our followers. Uh, appreciation for all of your positive feedback and comments. It's a pleasure interacting with so many people uh, globally, which is really cool. Um, and uh, <clears throat> appreciate people who come from different parts of the world and in our own country um, for me to do evals on them or do some consultations and some FaceTime. Um, so it's really, really fun, and uh, uh, I appreciate um, your companionship on this journey. So today is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day. And I would be remiss in not doing an episode where I'm going to incorporate uh, spirituality, grief, and Mother's Day and do the best I can to segue this. Um, as uh, you guys who follow the program know that I, I lost my mother uh, suddenly to a heart attack at uh, a young age, um, myself and, and her. And it was instantaneous, uh, different than losing my dad to uh, impossible, very short battle with, with cancer. But uh, I remember my mom would always say, you'll never understand what it's like to be a mother. And... Uh, in, you know, having stepkids, um, and what an amazing mother Julie is, and, you know, that there's, um, nothing that I think parents wouldn't do for their children, and, and Mother's Day, uh, it, it's tough for me, and, um, I was leaving for work yesterday, and um, I came back inside, and I Julie was making coffee, and I just broke down and I cried because I I, I miss my parents, and um, I I just I I don't think I would be the person I am, the professional that I am, uh, just the individual that I am without the. Uh, gracious gift that I was given with the mother that I was blessed with. Now, as you guys know who follow this program, uh, I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and my one wish is to be able to just meet him one day, and I stayed in the same hotel with him in Boston and didn't even get to see him. So... We'll see what happens when we get back to Chicago. But on the album, Devils and Dust, which was one of his uh, most more recent uh, solo acoustic um, albums, he wrote a lot about mothers and sons. And there's one song in particular that uh, I find, I think Julie does as well, to be incredibly articulate, uh, beautiful, sad, but hopeful. Um, and I wanted to share this because it kind of connects God, it connects our humanity, it connects uh, spirituality, 
and it connects grief and loss. Um, so I'm going to read the lyrics for you. This is verbatim. Well, Jesus was an only son as he walked up Calvary Hill. His mother Mary walking beside him in the path where his blood spilled. Jesus was an only son in the hills of Nazareth as he lay reading the Psalms of David at his mother's feet. A mother prays, sleep tight, my child, sleep well, for I'll be at your side, that no shadow, no darkness, no tolling bell shall pierce your dreams this night. And I think what Bruce Springsteen was trying to do uh, in his explanation of the song was trying to present Jesus as just as someone's, somebody's boy, independent of what he was going to be for the rest of the world. In the garden at Gethsemane, he prayed for the life he'd never live. He beseeched his heavenly father to, to remove the cup of death from his lips. That is really the... Um, the finality of death. Now there's a loss that can never be replaced, a destination that can never be reached, a light you'll never find in another's face, a sea whose distance cannot be breached. And I think that sea, uh, S-E-A, is really kind of, in my interpretation, metaphorical for uh, whatever level of spirituality you have, um, you know, between earth and what lies beyond. Um, last verses, well, Jesus kissed his mother's hands and he whispered, mother, still your tears. For remember the soul of the universe willed a world and it appeared. And if you get a chance to go on YouTube and download the song, um, it's it's a it's a short song, but the way he sings it in the arrangement is incredibly beautiful and very moving. But you know, on Mother's Day, um, you know, it's a song about you know. I think of um, religion and spirituality, uh, and Jesus as you know. I was born and raised Catholic, and uh, I've said this before, once you're Catholic, there's no getting out, as Springsteen has alluded, and uh, I've definitely become more spiritual on my journey through life. But um, I think it, it, it really depicts uh, Jesus as, as somebody's boy, and um, whatever he was going to mean for us, he, you know, mother's, he's laying his mother's feet, that's like parental guidance. And I think we forget uh, that Jesus was human, independent of him being God. Uh, he he was human, and and I think in, in, in grief and loss, uh, you know what what you learn is, uh, and sometimes people learn these lessons if there's um, unfinished business, resentments, arguments, grudges, lack of forgiveness. Um, tenuous relationships, strained relationships, anger. I think it, it's sad that the realization that people don't get replaced. And I don't think there's, you know, many things that people do that are so egregious that we can't learn to forgive. 
Um, I was very blessed um, to have no regrets with with either one of my parents. Um, and Mother's Day always does evoke, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm a very clinical person, um, you know, also, you know, Julie calls me a jokester and a prankster, but um, but my mindset. Now I do the podcast. I'm very clinical, but you know, and I you know, grief and loss. You know, really is the work of Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and um, she came up with, with the stages of grief. And I remember the acronym uh, from school as DABDA: denial, anger, bargaining depression acceptance so denial is uh, I remember I remember waking up the morning after my mother died in denial until I found myself in the grief section as a doctoral student in, in neuropsychology in the self-help section, looking at grief books. So denial is definitely a part of the grieving process. Anger. Uh, anger could be directed at maybe medical professionals that we don't think who did the right thing. Uh, maybe anger at the person who died for not taking better care of themselves or for not seeking help. You know, anger for somebody who, who commits suicide. Like, why didn't you come and talk to me? Anger uh, directed inward. Why didn't I see the signs? Why didn't I, you know, uh, help this person get a therapy appointment? Why didn't I have them sectioned to the hospital? So anger can be really directed at a lot of different places and different institutions and different things. Um, bargaining is kind of like, all right, God, take me. Can we trade places, you know? And, and the next phase is the one that I think is uh, really hard and where you see people kind of come into into the therapeutic realm is depression. Um, you know, we, we, we put a timeline on, on grief, but, you know, one of the newer diagnostic uh, conditions for further study is, you know, like a prolonged grief, you know, prolonged grief disorder, but uh, depression is definitely something that uh, I think when all the dust settles and, you know, all the family's there and all the friends are there and people are bringing meals and, you know, I'll be, you know, I'll be here for you and reach out and, you know, you kind of feel the sense of community and guidance and um, I've been on both, both ends of this is you know, from going to wakes and, and you know being at the wake of you know my, my mother um people dis people have, people have lives that they have to get back to and um sometimes you know you kind of you, you know you just kind of picture like those movie scenes where you got a whole group of people and it starts to fade out and then you realize there's just there's a hundred and there's 70 and there's 40 and there's 20 and there's 10 and there's six and then there's three and then there's just you and that could be a really lonely and dark place 
especially if you had uh, a long-standing relationship with a person. Um, you know, the law of proximity, the closer somebody is in relation to us, the more um, their actions, positive or negative, uh, are going to impact us or their words or behaviors. And then the final stage of acceptance. And um, acceptance is it's really the finality and it, it, it's, you know, um, there's days I still, I still pick up the phone and I, and I, and I call my dad and I get through the first few numbers and I realize it's not there. Um, but I've, I've, I've accepted it. And I think I was able to move. I knew I was able to move through these, different stages and it these these stages are are not sequential and by that i mean you don't okay well we get into somebody somebody lose somebody okay we don't get into uh denial and that lasts uh 47 days and then you go into uh anger and that lasts 63 days is it doesn't work like that um we kind of move in and out and back and forth through these phases and it's really important to understand that and to allow yourself and when my dad died julie explained it to me in a way that really helped is that it comes in waves and it came in a, a huge wave yesterday and it came in, in a wave today uh after celebrating mother's day uh earlier um with the, the the family uh driving the grocery store i just tears came into my eyes um and i just i i broke down and i'm not afraid to admit that because i mean the amount of education inoculates you from from life and from human emotions and um but but it's 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 it don't allow yourself to stay in these stages and but allow yourself to go through them and um you know and i think sometimes denial can be i just i don't want to deal with it i'm just gonna out of sight out of mind and but it 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 will resonate and and people deal with grief differently and i could tell you and i it is through the goodness and the gracious hand of god that was gave me the strength because as a little kid my worst fear was losing my parents. And I don't know if, if what I have is better or worse that as young as I am, that I lost my parents and I got that over with. I remember talking with Julie the other day when we were walking, like, did I benefit in some way, ironically, that um, I didn't have to watch them get old and go to a nursing home and that, that I benefit from losing them early. I, I, I don't know. Would I trade everything for one, one conversation? Yeah, I would. And I like what my dad always said. He like, we said one day a year, we get to see the people from heaven. And you get to you get to spend the day with them. And then they go back. Then you have that one day. So, um, but, but spirituality and is really a, a strong foundation that has helped me deal with grief. And if you are connected to anything higher, um, I would definitely encourage you to gravitate towards that, to utilize that. Um, 
you know, I, I never leave our house without kissing my father's glasses that kind of are on the windowsill in our living room. Um, it's just a reminder. And I think because, you know, we have much more technology um, with cell phones when my mom was alive. But I... Um, we take as many pictures, you know. There wasn't we didn't have the iPhone and stuff like that. So I, and I guess I've just been flooded a lot lately with with more dreams and more um, and more uh, just memories and, and, and very vivid recollections uh, of remember kissing my mother laying. She, she was dead and laying with her makeup down her cheek because she was obviously was crying at some point the night she died. Um, but again, um, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And it seems that um, I didn't ask for that. Um, I wish it ever happened. No. But I think, you know, the human condition and the human spirit um, is really important and is more resilient. And, you know, Julie was instrumental in helping me get through the loss of my father. Um, but, you know, and again, I'm trying to incorporate grief and spirituality and loss and, and religion in, into uh, a podcast topic. And I, I hope I'm doing a good job of kind of articulating where, where I'm coming from is, is basically that uh, we're all going to experience this. And life does not prepare us for it. Um, there's no immunization for this. Um careful what you say um love the people that are in your lives um you know i mean everybody has histories and not everybody has had uh positive relationships with with parental figures or there could have been you know mistreatment or neglect and and you know again but universally uh we all share one thing in common is that we all have we all have a mother we had a, you know, we didn't, it wasn't like spontaneous combustion. So we all have a mother. And a mother in, is not necessarily the person who delivered you. Uh, that That's physiology. A mother is a role. And a lot of people, whether that could be a foster parent, um, maybe an older sibling who had to take on the role of being a parent for, for whatever reason. Um, it's, it's honor, honor people, honor your mother. Um, you know, it's one of the, I think it's pretty sure it's one of the 10, it is one of the 10 commandments, but honor your, your mother and father. And, um, and, and grief, I think I've said this in one of the other episodes, um, the best word I can come up with, um, and there's no clinical significance whatsoever, is grief sucks. That's the best thing I can say, is it sucks. And uh, I wanted to just use this time to share my personal experience uh, because, you know, I'm not some 
automaton or some machine and, and um you know my i think i'm grateful to my mother for the um vocabulary that i've been able to develop um she was such an avid reader and um it's it's um it's it's a grief is a tough is a, is a tough thing and um you know, I, I've worked with people, and I've I've done therapy with people, um, but I don't know if Julie wants to pop in and add anything. But um, yeah, all right, should just be sitting together doing this instead of taking turns. Right next to you. Sorry, swelling something. Hi everyone, happy Mother's Day! I love how Cor was just talking about. Um, how mothers come in different shapes and sizes. Um, I know that um, some people have are adopted. Um, I have clients over the years who are both, um, you know, have adopted children um, and also are adopted as well. And um, that there's that's such a wonderful thing to see. You know, of course, um, it it is physiological for a lot of us, but it isn't for everyone. I think it's uh, a Mother's Day is um, is an important day because I think for those of you who don't have, you know, terrific relationships with your mother or haven't, and maybe she's still here or not here anymore. Um, I think that you know when you're growing up, and even when even as an adult, there was this really wonderful book that someone recommended to me when she was in um, she was getting her master's, I think, at Harvard for female studies, and she uh, said, "Oh, you've got to read this book." And this was way before this was years and years ago when um, my kids kids were very small. I was um, she was just giving me all this reading material, which was really amazing. I was grateful for it because I hadn't even had a college degree at that point. So I was um, very, very grateful to learn from a friend of mine that was immersed in like this amazing educational experience. So she gave me these, a lot of books. So I read a lot. Um, I was always a voracious reader. And um, so this one book is called Women Who Run With the Wolves. I mean, it's a shout out to women. But it doesn't really have to be about women, exactly. Um, it's by Dr. Gloria Pincola Estes. Ugh. Gloria Pincola Estes. I'm probably butchering it, but it's called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And it's a, an amazing book, and it was um, a life-changing for me. And it's probably one of those books that you can read several times in your life, you know, and get a, I mean, get a different experience each time you read it, one of those special books. And in it really taught me a lot. It was just, you know, just little um, stories. One of them was, um, in our lives, we have many mothers. And I feel like, for me, that was absolutely, I guess, going back to Margaret Mead, who, not, it wasn't Hillary Clinton, it was Margaret Mead, who, who coined the phrase, it takes a village. Um, I think it's important to remember that when we need help, when we lose people, um, I, I'm not trying to jump all over the place, but I think in my own experience, you know, I have a good relationship with my mother. Um, we've had some tough times, just like most relationships, 
um, over the years. Um, but as I get older, I can appreciate her. Um, and, you know, that parents are very often witnesses in our lives. And that is one of the most important, I think, values that I hold. And I think a lot of us do as we get older and we see our parents get older. Um, we, as parents, um, as we get older, realize the, you know, the mistakes we've made, um, the choices that we made. Maybe I would have done this differently. Maybe I would have done that differently. Oh, I definitely would have done that differently. Coming from someone who's not a perfect parent, um, but loves being a parent um, beyond measure. So, um, but I think losing a parent, and I've seen my husband go through um, really um, just torturous grief. And I think it's really important to remember for all of those who grieve, regardless of what it is you're grieving, whether it's a friendship that ended, it doesn't mean someone has to die. Um, but grief, grief happens and grief is real. It it's be because... A, also, don't interrupt, but like uh, grief uh, of a pet. Maybe, oh, God, uh, definitely. Uh, pets a, or a, family a, members. A, a job. Right, uh, or, or a career. Mm -hmm. If people retire, they can get depressed because they're grieving, you know, their identity of what they did for a living and... Um, and, you know, just the loss of the structure of their day. And grief but, is not relegated to death. But what I want to say is while you're still living, there's a thing, a, a, like a mantra I live by. I don't always, I'm not perfect at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I always need to grow and improve, and it's such a process. I'm on a journey like everybody else. So... But it's live how you want to be remembered. And I really love that because for me, it means it, it, I can reprioritize my life very quickly. Um, it really isn't about, you know, just your family or just your close friends. It's really just about how being kind to other people that you don't even know. Um, you know, do good because that's why you're here. And I think that when someone is grieving and when there's grief and loss, one of the best things that you can do is help somebody else. It's like for people who struggle, you know, and I'm not talking about the caretakers that take care of everybody else and don't take care of themselves. That's not, that's not the population I'm talking about. You, you guys need to take care of yourselves. We've all been there. Um, and I definitely ebb and flow um, through that kind of uh, style. Um, however, taking care of yourself so that you can be strong for others is really very important thing to remember. So, and again, I, I know what it's like to see a loved one feel pain. I know what it's like to feel abandoned in pain. I know what grief feels like, um, and loss and, you know, breakups, um, they can be very painful, like lose, it feels like losing a limb um, and just losing a loved one. You know, sometimes it's a long process. Sometimes it's sudden. And Cor gave you, even though his father died pretty swiftly with the cancer that he had, um, we had a little bit longer. But with his mother, it was sudden. There was there was no choice. Like literally she was taken. And then I think about, you know, what happens afterwards? 
you know, I, I like to believe in birds and like spirit birds, which are cardinals. So, you know, I immediately try to come up with some way of, you know, because I, I do believe we're all spiritual beings having a physical, a, a temporary physical experience. So, you know, where do we go afterwards? You know, it's about soul. It's about heart. And I think if you can be there for somebody else, it's very healing for yourself. And I think that even though I lost Joe, um, I was very, very close to him. He was like a second dad to me. And he was like one of my best friends, too. Like, we were like the three amigos. We traveled together. We played card games together. You know, he was very low maintenance. He was just easygoing, a real gem of a human being, and always kind and always calm. And he was the person that you could talk to about, like, big things that were happening. And he would just be like, you know, he was very wise, but always very calm. And I miss that. You know, some days I need that. You know, I do have my go-to people, and um, they are my parents and my friends and my husband and my family, uh, my kids, um, and professionals. But, you know, I, I, I don't know what how, how I, I can't fix it. It's like being punched in the gut, and, and it hurts. But like I said with CORE, it comes in waves. And, you know, grief is really about love. It, it, it's about love that still exists for someone who's still here with no place to go. So that love you held for that person that's gone, there's no place to go with it. And, and it's, it's so final, the finality of it all. And that's just kind of what we experience, you know, in our own senses and being and living here on planet Earth. But I do like to believe that I know I believe in heaven and I believe in the afterlife, not reincarnation per se, but I think it makes it easier to um, to believe in something. You know, I find that when I work with people, I've said this before on the podcast, that people who hold some semblance of spirituality, it does not have to be religion. It has to be a belief in something bigger than yourself. It it It's helpful for people. It helps people have hope. And, you know, the science people and the agnostics and the atheists I really know I mean I I know I have people very close to me who who are of this belief and um you know we go back and forth you know it's like well it's not science it just doesn't make any sense you know when you're dead you're dead but you know I find that people who do better when they have faith and um, again, whatever that is for you, whether you believe or druid and you believe in trees, I don't know. But um, being there for somebody else helps the grief process. And But I also want to speak a little bit about when you are grieving, and I find that this is very common, everyone grieves differently. And when Kaur talked about Kubler-Ross's different stages of grief, they don't happen in the exact order. They they happen in very differently. People grieve, you know, someone's angry. Let's say someone lost somebody in the family. Someone's angry. Well, someone else is sad or someone else is in denial. And, you know, that's why it's so important to get grief counseling, grief support. Um, we have a place in Massachusetts nearby us called uh, 
Hope Floats. And it was started by, I believe, two people who had lost their child. And um, they were a couple of teachers, and they still have, they built this amazing community of hope. And the thing about the group process is, is that you have people that are just coming in that are raw, but you have them coming into a group where people have been there, a group leader who's probably had an experience running the group. And then you have all these different members of the group who are kind of in the middle of healing, toward the end of healing. But throughout the grieving process, which the interaction for someone who's coming in raw and real to see someone who's at the other end is truly amazing. I have had clients who have gone there. So, I mean, I've learned so much about that whole community and it's a community of hope. So try to, if you're struggling with grief, try to find some grief counseling because they're very unique individuals. They're almost like hospice uh, nurses, you know, just those people that are just like angels of mercy and they just are, are gifted to do it. Um, because grief can be a very difficult thing, an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Um, you know, it may, it may feel, make people feel very alone and um, scared. And, um, you know, it's just in uncharted waters for a lot of us. But if you help others, you feel better. It's literally, like I said probably a few months ago, and Dwayne Dyer, I quote him again, because I love him, God rest his soul. But, you know, just giving somebody something, when someone receives an act of kindness, their serotonin goes up. When someone is partakes in an act of kindness, and it doesn't have to be someone you know, it can be somebody totally random. You're seeing all these TikToks and reels out there. I think the guy's name is Zach. He He is like, blowing it up and and telling you you can't watch these things without crying and you see like these people who don't even know each other holding each other thanking each other telling them that they love each other because someone gave somebody something that someone else didn't have um you know just like right on the street um but you know i i i don't i want to kind of come back full circle but um what was i saying mother's day no, not Mother's Day. I was saying something and I got sidetracked with Brief the spirituality. No, no, no. What was I saying? I I was so rife to say it. I don't know. But you talk about the guy, the Instagram guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, what was I talking Giving about? People, something on the street. Do people, people don't random know. acts of kindness. Yeah. Thank you. I, I always get there. It just takes a little bit while, a little bit longer. Um, the the um the Wayne Dyer um the example that he, the quote that he used to always talk about was giving increases serotonin. That makes you feel good. Giving to someone else is an act of kindness. That makes you feel good. That makes you feel God because God is good. Okay. That's spiritual side. You don't have to believe in that, but I do. So I share that with those of you who believe in it. But at the same time, lastly, so you're giving something, somebody something, a gift, and your serotonin goes up, their serotonin goes up. But if you watch an act of kindness, your serotonin also goes up. So isn't that kind of interesting? That's why when you see these TikToks or whatever you're watching or something on the news, that's something, you know, someone did a good deed, you know, a random act of, act of kindness. 
you know, be good, be kind, because that's why we're here. And I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day for all of you out there. And um, God bless you. And I love you. So um, you have a, a, a wonderful week. We'll talk to you next week. And thank you, as always, for your support and listening to us and reaching out to us. It really makes our world go around, honestly. I feel so blessed and so grateful to have you in our lives. And I just want to thank you again for that. God bless you guys. Thanks, honey. Well, again, not a totally clinical episode, but one I thought was appropriate uh, given uh, my experience. Um, uh, I really wanted to kind of incorporate spirituality, uh, grief and loss, and mothers, uh, three very separate topics into one, and hopefully I did a good job at that the best I could. Um, So until next time, um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, Feel free to reach out to me uh, through Psychology Today. Uh, you can email me directly at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. Uh, you could follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Um, and you can contact me directly, 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. Happy Mother's Day. Take care. Uh, be well. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys.